to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. Good to be in God's house. I just want you to remain standing and open your Bibles to the book of James chapter 4. I know some of you are in shock because I'm in a suit and uh, I wished I wasn't because I have to preach a funeral today right after church. I lost someone that I love very dearly, a friend, and uh, I've been grieving all week. And so when I finish ministering to you, I'm going to grab a bite to eat and then go to a graveside and uh, bury a friend that's been my friend for nearly 22 years. Died a tragic death. And so uh, I needed that, Pastor Billy, if nobody else did. But I'm not going through this fire alone. I'm not walking through this valley alone. That family that I love so much is not going through this alone. I'm so glad that he promised I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'm so glad he said that he is a very present help in the time of trouble. Somebody in this house needs that right now. I'm going to preach by the grace of God, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm always up front with you. I've always been transparent with you for 20, almost 22 years. I I had a rough week, and I knew I was going to preach this morning, the second service. Evan preached for the first service while I did growth track. But I I knew I was going to preach. I told myself, I want to preach the second service. And I'm, I'm preaching a message that has come out of the struggle of my week. But I feel an anointing to preach this, and I believe it's going to help a lot of you today. And I only want to read one verse, James chapter 4, verse 7. James chapter 4, verse 7. James writes, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And I want to preach this morning, there is a devil out there. I don't normally do this, but I want to ask you right now to join with me in prayer. That God, in the next few minutes, will speak through his word and through his messenger to people who need victory in their lives. Will you just join me, Father, in the name of Jesus? I usually just start preaching, but Lord, we're going to pause for a moment and pray. And I pray that right now you'll anoint me with a heavy anointing. And I pray that you will anoint this service and this atmosphere with your sweet presence and your power. I pray the enemy would be defeated. He is defeated. And I pray, God, that those in here who need victory, that, God, they'll experience it today, that, that today can be a day of victory or it will begin be the beginning of victory, and that, God, they will press through until they see the victory come. And so I just thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us on the cross, including defeating the devil. And so, Lord, we just give you praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody shout amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to say it again. There is a devil out there. There is a devil out there. Some people don't believe in the devil. They don't believe in the supernatural. But their lack of belief or understanding does not negate his reality. There is a devil out there. Satan is a fallen angel who was ejected from heaven due to his pride and his rebellion against God. And ever since he was displaced, 
He has lived in opposition to God. He has lived in opposition to the people of God. He has lived in opposition to the kingdom of God. He has lived in opposition to the plans of God. And there is a devil out there and he is your enemy. He is your enemy. He hates you. He hates your family. He hates your spiritual leaders. He hates your church He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your church. He wants to destroy your spiritual life. He wants to destroy your ministry. If you volunteer and are in a ministry, he wants to destroy your relationship with God. If he had his way, he would devastate all of that in a split second. Now, while the devil is your foe, he is a defeated foe. Can somebody shout hallelujah? He is a defeated foe. The Bible lets us know that when Jesus died on the cross, he defeated Satan. We understand that for this reason was the Son of Man manifest or or, or revealed to us that he might destroy the works of the devil. And Colossians 2 tells us that when Jesus died on the cross, he triumphed over the devil. He made a public spectacle of the devil. One version says he, excuse me, stripped the hide off of the devil. He stripped the power off of the enemy. And so the devil is defeated. And I I have some good things to share with you that you need to know. If you're saved, the devil cannot cross the bloodline. He cannot cross the bloodline. He cannot get to you because you're not his property anymore. You are the property of God. If he does get to you, he has to get permission from God. Think about Job. In the Old Testament, if he's going to get to you, God has to give him permission. Third, God has given you authority over the devil if you are born again. We need to stop being afraid of the devil. We need to stop living in fear of the devil. We need to realize who's in charge. God's in charge, and we're on God's side, and God has taken his authority and given it to us. What does that mean? That means you can tell the devil to go. You can tell the devil to shut up. You can tell the devil to leave you alone. You can tell the devil, take your hands off of my spouse. Take your hands off of my children. Take your hands off of my family. Take your hands off of my finances. Take your hands off of my pastor. Take your hands off of my church. Come on, somebody. We have authority today through Jesus Christ. The devil is our enemy, but we have authority. Hallelujah. And so you can undo what the devil has done. You can loose what the devil is bound. You can mend what the devil is broken. You can heal what the devil has hurt. But I need you to understand today that the devil is successful against you only when you give him access to your life. He cannot cross the bloodline, but if you give him access to your life, That's when you're going to get in trouble. Ephesians 4.27 says, do not give place to the devil. Did you hear me? Don't give place to the devil. One translation says, don't give the devil a foothold. When he knocks at the door, don't crack open the door. Because if you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. And so don't give the devil an opportunity. But you give the devil access to your life when you give him opportunities to operate in your life. Listen to me. Now, I'm going to preach straight a little bit, so curl your toes up here for the next little while. So when you sin, you give the devil an opportunity. 
you open the door. You give him a foothold. When you give in to the evil desires of your flesh, you give the devil a foothold in your life. When you embrace a worldly view about things that is contrary to God's world, word and a biblical worldview, then you give the devil a foothold in your life. And when you believe his lies and you listen to him and, and you permit him to build a stronghold in your mind, you have already allowed him to get a foothold, which is now a stronghold in your life. You see, the devil is a liar by nature, and he will always lie to you. If the devil even tries to tell the truth, it's always a half-truth. He, he will mislead you, and he will misdirect you. John 8, says, and this is Jesus speaking, the devil does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar. So church, do you want to have serious trouble in your life? I can tell you how. You want to have serious trouble and problems? I'll tell you how. Start listening to the devil. That's all you have to do. Just listen to him and buy in to what he says. I'm going to preach right here. The devil knows your weaknesses. Do you hear me? The devil knows your weaknesses, and he will lie to you about your weaknesses. He will tell you that you will never get the victory over your weakness. He will tell you that the weakness is part of your life and that it's always going to be that way and that you are always going to live in bondage and defeat. And the devil will attack you in your moments of weakness. The Bible says he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And lions attack the weak, not the strong, the sick, those who are damaged. It's an easy meal. And when you have a weakness in your life, he'll take advantage of your personal struggle in order to take you out or to keep you defeated. That's why you have to deal with the weak areas. The, you know, Socrates said, know thyself. And that's a pretty good thing to translate into spiritual terms. You need to know yourself. And we spend so much time focusing on our strengths and bragging on our strengths when we need to concentrate on our weaknesses. We need to know the proclivities, the propensities, those thin places in our life where the devil can break through way too easily. And then we need to pray about them and we need to work on them. And we need to say, God, help me because his grace is sufficient. Paul said, for in my weakness, that's when I find his strength. Instead of tolerating the weakness or making excuses for the weakness, we need to deal with our weaknesses and say, God, help me in this area to be like Jesus. Listen to me. When you're going through a difficult time, stressful time, troublesome time, the devil will tell you that things aren't going to get better. The devil will tell you that things are going to get worse. He'll whisper in your ear, there's no way out. He'll whisper in your, wheel, in your ear that life is no longer worth living. And if he can whisper it long enough and loud enough, 
He'll convince you that life is no longer worth living. I've heard the devil whisper in my ear, and I didn't like it. Years ago, when we first started this church, I had panic attacks, major panic attacks. There were two Sundays in a row at T. O'Hanna High School when I got up, opened my Bible to preach, and had a full-blown panic attack and had to walk off the stage leaving a brand new congregation wondering what is wrong with our pastor. And my brother-in-law had to get me in a car and drive me home where I went to bed in a full-blown panic attack. I, it got so bad that one day in a full-blown panic attack, I was laying in the floor of my house. I wasn't in the fetal position, but I was close. And the devil got in my ear. I heard him. I can still remember it. And he said, mm-hmm, you, you made all these grand promises to this new church. You painted that vision. You talked about buying land and building a building and doing something great in Anderson, South Carolina. But look at you now. You're crying. You're weeping. You're a pitiful mess. You're laying here on the floor. You can't even function. And I've got you and I'm going to take you out. I'm going to destroy you. And after I get through with you, I'm going to destroy that church you love so much. And I'm going to tear it to pieces and there won't be anything left. I've heard the voice of the devil, liar. I know what it's like when that devil will get in your ear and try to tell you things that just aren't true. Sometimes he'll even tell people life is no longer worth living. And I know that there are members of this church right now whose world is rocked. Because a precious lady who used to be a member of this church, who is a friend to many of our senior adults, for whatever reason, I know some details, but I don't know all of them, somehow reached a point to where she just couldn't take it. And the devil had to have gotten in her ear and told her life is no longer worth living. And her funeral's today at 3.30. Brothers and sisters, you better stop playing games. There's a devil out there. You don't need to listen to him. The devil will lie and tell you that God is unable to deliver you. That God can't help you. That he's not all-powerful. He'll get you to question God. You know that's how he operates, don't you? He started with Adam and Eve. Did God really say that you can't eat of the fruit of the tree? He'll get you to question God. He'll get you, God, that, that's God's holding out on you, Eve. He knows when you eat of it, you'll be just like him. You don't know God. God's not a good God. God's a bad God. God's not looking out for your best interests. I'll look out for your best interest. I'm telling you the truth. That's how the devil operates. And if he can get you to doubt God and the, and the character of God and the attributes of God and the nature of God, that's when you start spiraling out of control because you start believing a lie. He'll tell you that God can't help you. Listen to me. I'm going to preach right here. I'm going to preach like maybe I haven't preached in a while. Y'all, sometimes we get ourselves in a mess. Okay, we get ourselves in a mess. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about, let's say, addictions. Addictions to nicotine. 
not just cigarettes, but tobacco products of all sorts. It's part of the southern culture, little dip, little chew. We get addicted to that nicotine. We get addicted to drugs. We get addicted to alcohol. We get addicted to pornography. We get addicted to gambling. We get addicted to opioids. We get ourselves in the mess. God didn't do it. We make bad decisions, and then we pay the consequences. The Bible says, God, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If you sow okra, you're going to get okra. You sow briars, you're going to get briars. And so we make bad decisions. So here's what you do. You pray and you want God to get you out of your bad decision. But what you don't understand is that the victory for you doesn't come with a battle. It comes through a war. A war. And a war means you have to battle over. You didn't get yourself in this overnight. And it's going to take a process to get you out. Oh, I'm preaching right now. You will have to struggle. You will have to deny your flesh. You've been feeding your flesh, but now you've got to deny your flesh. The victory that you want demands a lifestyle change. It demands a commitment to win. It will require self-denial in the place of your frequent feeding of your fleshly desires. It's, it's the opposite. But, but now listen to me. <laughs> but you want out. So you pray one time. You get at a service like this. You hear a sermon like this. You get under conviction. You get alone with God. Might be in the altar today or some of the, oh God, the pastor preached. That's, oh God, that, that, he's right. I'm giving the devil a strong. Oh God, I want you to set me free, Lord. Deliver me. We pray one time and we expect God to win it for us in one battle and set us free. Sometimes, a lot of times, he does it. It's not that he can't, and sometimes he does. I've seen people, I've seen people delivered instantly from drug addictions. I've seen it. So I know what God can do because God's God. But most of the time, he does. You know why? Because I'm preaching right now. I feel the Holy Ghost. Because if he gives you what you want right then, he hasn't changed your mindset. He hasn't changed your, your whole makeup. He hasn't changed you to where you're wanting to fight the flesh and deny the flesh and give it two hours, two day, week, two days, two weeks, two months, but the desire comes back and you're back at it again and then you're back in the altar. God, deliver me. Oh, God, I did it again. I'm sorry, Lord. I need you to deliver me. And see, that's why God sometimes says, no, I'm not giving you the victory through a battle. You're gonna, I'm going to change you. I'm going to change your nature. You're going you're gonna to get a different mindset about this thing because we need a victory that's going to last for the rest of your life. Victory you want is a warfare. But, you know, you pray and it doesn't happen because that one time you prayed. And so what happens? The devil shows up and tells you, well, see, God's failed you. God doesn't work. God only does it for some people. God only does this part of the time. And you're never going to be delivered. And so you give up and start making excuses. To justify your mess. 
But he's not the God of messes. He's the God of miracles. And you remain in bondage and the devil wins. The devil is a liar. And there's a devil out there. Let me tell you about Satan. This week was not a good week for me, pastorally and personally. And I was at the beach trying to have a vacation. That's why I got this good tan I got. Y'all like that? It's not a good week. Let me tell you how the stinking, dirty, rotten devil will do. I was in a weak place. Not in a bad way, just I was t- it was taking a toll on me, some of the things I had to deal with. Bad news that was just hitting me personally. I went to bed that night. I was distraught. I was struggling, just like you do. That night, I had a horrible dream. I'm not even going to begin to even tell you what. To, I'm not even going to tell my wife. But it was just a horrible dream. Just a warped, horrible dream that I wouldn't dream in a million years. But you can't control dreams. That thing seemed like it lasted all night. It was one of those four-hour movies. You know what I'm talking about? Dances with the wolves. You know what I'm talking about? Gone with the wind. And so I thought that thing would never end. I finally woke up in the morning. And I thought, God, what a horrible dream. I just don't even want to think about that. And while I'm laying there coming awake, then it hit me. That wasn't, that wasn't pizza. That wasn't late night barbecue. That was the devil. See, the devil, I've had it happen to me more times than once. The devil will attack you. Did you know the devil's a coward? He's a coward. Especially if you're a child of God, he's a coward. He will attack you in your sleep. And I laid there for a minute, got my senses together, and I said, I'm out loud. I said, you stinking lousy devil. You coward. You want to try to attack me while I'm asleep? Well, I'm awake now, Jack. So let's talk about, that was your storyline in my head. I got a storyline for you. And I did this. I'm laying in bed. This happened, I think, Tuesday morning. I said, I got a storyline for you. Here's how it goes. You used to be an angel in heaven, an archangel. You used to have access to the throne of God. And if I understand right, you led the praise and worship. But dummy, you rebelled against God, got proud. God kicked you out. And now look at you. You're a rotten, lousy mess. And you're on your way to a hell, a place that burns with fire and brimstone. That's your destiny, bud. Meanwhile, Jesus. Jesus Christ, I was born in sin, but he washed me in his blood, and I'm saved and born again, and I got a place on the Father's house. What you gave up, Jack, I get one of these days, and while you burn in hell for eternity, I'm going to be shouting on the hills of glory. Come on, somebody. I'll be with Jesus forever and ever. I felt better after that. He didn't told him, I said, you lose and I win, loser. Sometimes I'll do that to the devil. I hate the devil. I hate what he does. I hate what he's done to my friends. I hate what he's done to my family. I hate what he's done to church members. But thank God there is 
victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the devil is defeated. So how do you live in victory over the devil? I'm going to close with this. I'm going to preach James 4, 7. It's very simple, and yet it is a process to play out. James wrote, therefore, submit yourselves to God. Submit. To submit means to live in subordination to the Lord. It means, listen to me, it just means to obey him. Do what he says. Live under his authority. Do what he tells you to do. Make him king. Make him Lord over every area of your life. That's why I say when you get saved, you don't just profess Jesus as Savior, but you got to profess him as Lord. He's the leader. He's in charge. He's in control. You may call him Lord, but let me ask you a question. Is he really in control? Is there any area of your life that right now is off limits to God? Come on, be honest. Come on, be honest. You came here, you might as well take your medicine. Because if there is an area of your life that is off limits to God, you have given the devil a foothold. Listen, submit to God. If God says something is morally wrong, well, guess what? It's wrong. If God tells you to stop doing something, well, this is the way it works. You stop doing it. Even if your flesh screams and hollers and cries, you tell your flesh to shut up. If God convicts you of an activity or an action, then you repent and you place it under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And if there is a stronghold in your mind, you deal with that thing with the truth of God's word, wield the sword of the spirit, and you ask God, tear this thing down and set me free. Let me say this to you. Whatever Jesus is in control of, the devil cannot touch. He cannot control what Jesus controls. It's off limits to the devil. So you got to get submitted submitted to God. Make sure every area of your life is submitted. And if there's an area that's not, that's where you've got to concentrate. Second, resist the devil. I like that word resist because there are some pictures and images in my mind that help me to understand it. It means to vigorously oppose the devil, to stand face to face against him and stand your ground. Don't give in. Zach, come help me. You want to come help me preach? Come up here. That's what you get for sitting up front. Zach's going to help me preach a little bit. All right, Zach, stand right here. We, you start talking about that it's Halloween, you know, it's TV's playing all those horror movies. Don't watch those things. Don't watch those. Oh, I just love to watch those movies. Well, all you're doing is just setting yourself up. Come on, garbage in, garbage out. All right, but so then, then you start talking about the demons and the devil. Oh, I'm going to run. Oh, I don't want to be, I don't even talk about that. Oh, I get scared about demons. That's what the Bible says. You know what the Bible says? If the devil comes in your life, stand square-footed. Square, square, square up. I can do that to him because he's almost like a son to me. All right? You ever heard that saying, toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose? 
Have you ever got so mad at somebody you went nose to nose with them, Zach? Oh, Lord, we got a story right here. Don't leave yet. I'm going to let you help me. That's what it's saying. Don't run. Don't turn your back. You've got an area of your life that the devil wants to control. And if he controls it, it's going to destroy it. And if he destroys it, it's going to destroy every area in your life. Come on, you get a cancer in one cell, does it stay there? It spreads. Okay, so he said resist the devil. Stand toe to the face. The Greek word, I don't even know if I can say this word right. Anthistomy. Anthistomy in the Greek. Anthistomy. All the nurses, medical people, does that sound vaguely familiar? Huh? Antihistamine. That's where we get our English word for it. Anti, anti, to stand against. Histamines. Histamines is what is released in your body when you have an allergic reaction or allergies. How many of y'all taking Benadryl? Right? Half of y'all gonna raise your hand. What's wrong with the rest of you? Everybody's taking Benadryl. All right, Benadryl is an antihistamine, right? Right now, ragweed's going crazy, right? I was doing great at the beach. Since I've come back here, I've been sneezing. Thank God for the upstate. Ragweed. And so I've been sneezing. And so you, you, you want to start going to Allegra and Zyrtec and, and Benadryl. Why? Because those are antihistamines. What do they do? They block the histamines. You got me? They block the histamines. You just get to step here the whole sermon. Stay right here. I got, I got bit by fire ants one time, and I didn't know I was allergic to them. They'll put me in the grave. So I got bit by fire ants years ago. I went in the house. I'm itching all over. I don't know what's happened to me. I'm on the floor doing carpet burns on my hands trying to get relief, and I don't know, and I know I'm swelling. I had enough sense to take my wedding band off. I went in the room and popped two Benadryl, and I came out, and Leah looked at me, and she said, get in the car. We're going to the hospital. She said later, she said, you look like a monster. I'm just starting to swell. And I said, I need to go to the hospital. I said, I can't breathe. She said, get in the car. And she raced down. And that was the quickest time I ever got in the hospital. I'd already taken Benadryl. They took me back. I mean, that was the quickest through the Anderson Hospital. They took me in the back. They, they started running an IV. And a nurse came in. She said, Pastor Sestar, she said, I'm fixing to give you 100 milligrams of liquid Benadryl. She said, you're going to feel it go through your body. I said, okay. And I mean, I, I was in bad shape. I'm just trying to breathe. She stuck that needle in there, Zach. She put that in, and I could feel it going through my bloodstream. She said, you're going to get immediate relief. I did. I got immediate relief. I could feel it. And it started because it was blocking the histamines that were trying to take my life. You want to know the rest of the story that's funny? I've never been in the hospital. Really, never anything wrong with me. Well, then between the 50 milligrams I'd taken and 100 milligrams of bitter liquid, I felt this whoosh hit over me. And I said, oh, God, I sat up. I said, something's wrong, Lee. I'm hitting the nurse's button. And I said, something's wrong. The nurse looked at me. She said, Pastor Sestar, please lay your head back and go to sleep. Stop fighting it. I said, but I don't feel good. She said, just give in to it. I didn't even know how you give in to it. It's funny. I know. Leah laughed. I laid my head back. I was out. I don't know how long I slept in the ER at Anderson. But the point is, they put a block on. How many, how many of y'all football fans watched football yesterday? Okay. Everybody's happy because the Gamecocks won. The Tigers won. No, the Tennessee lost. 
Got a Georgia one, but some of you Tennessee folks aren't happy. I'm sorry. Okay? But Zach, they played football. Now get down in the three-point stands. Right? Now, what is the defense trying to do? Trying to block. How many of you guys played football? How many of y'all played football, high school football? See, Zach played football. If I am trying to get through, what is Zach going to do? He's going to block me. So down, say, hey, go. What are you doing? He's going to come up and look what he does. He goes into a mode not to let me, what, get through, right? That's so fundamental. Thank you, Zach. Everybody give Zach a clap of hands. All right. Now, do you see how Zach was, listen, that's what the Bible says you're supposed to do to the things that are trying to get in your life that will wreak havoc and create issues in your walk with God. You know what happened last night? If one of those football players for Clemson had got down and his job on the O-line was to block the, d- the defensive guys, and if he would have just said, uh, come on through. There he is right there. His name's Trevor. What do you think Dabo Sweeney would have done with him? He'd take him out back and beat him. His job was to block, to protect the court. Listen, I'm preaching. There are things in your life. <laughs> this is terrible. Years ago, this is a terrible movie. Do not watch this movie. But The Longest Yard, is a, it's a terrible movie. Don't watch it. Watch the TV version. And Adam Sandler made a new version of it. But the best line in there is he grabbed his old line and said, Your job is to protect the quarterback. I am the quarterback. They didn't even know what their job was. Listen, you have things in your life that are dear and precious. On the football team, the quarterback is the man. You got to protect the quarterback. You got to, that's why you got to have the guy, listen to me, I'm preaching right now from football. That's why you got to have a guy over here on the left side who is the most important for the right-handed court because this is called the blind side. And you know when we get in trouble? When we get blindsided by the devil. And so you have got to block and resist Anything that is trying to come through to get to what is precious. What are you talking about what's precious in my life? How about your walk with God? How about your spouse? How about your kids? How about your testimony? But it's just a nasty habit or it's just a, oh, don't do it all the time. Doesn't matter. Kill your testimony. Gives the devil an area to work in. What if North Korea took over Homeland Park? What do we put up with that? Eh, it's just Homeland Park. I don't live there, so I don't really care. Well, what about all the people who live in Homeland Park? What if the North Koreans just took up this whole quadrant over here where Teal Hannah was and all this area up in here, took it over? Would you put up with that? Would the United States put up with that? Would South Carolina put up with that? No. Immediately, troops would be dispersed to expel what doesn't belong here. 
brothers and sisters, you cannot allow Satan to convince you, deceive you, trick you into thinking it's okay if I have this one area. I'll compartmentalize it. We men are bad. Women, women are spaghetti, men are waffles. Y'all ever heard that? Men are, we just compartmentalize in. We got a sports compartment. We got a car compartment. We got a work compartment. We got a home compartment. We got, we got a little compartment. We can just put everything. Women, it's all intertwined, isn't it, ladies? That's why y'all can talk for three hours about 40 subjects, and we'll talk four hours about one thing. Because y'all more complex than we are, see. We're just simple-minded, single-cell obimas is what we are. you got to put a block on the devil. So when the devil tells you to do something, you don't do it. Whatever he tells you that you're not to do, well, chances are probably pretty good you're supposed to do it. And if he tells you to be afraid, you say, no, I'm going to walk in faith. If he says, well, you need to worry and be upset about this, you say, no, I'm not. I'm going to pray and turn it over to Jesus and let him handle it because he's in charge and he's in control. And if he tries to get a foothold, you deny him and say, no, you're not going to get in this area of my life. I will change before I allow you to have a foothold in my life. Here are three specific things to do to resist the devil. And this is an entire sermon in itself, and I will not preach it, but I will say it. You put on the full armor of God. You use God's word as a weapon. That's why you need to know the truth. Stop listening to the lies that the devil puts in your head and listen to what God says. If God says you're somebody, you're somebody. If the, God, if the devil tells you you're a nobody and God says you're a somebody, you're a somebody. If, if the devil tells you life ain't worth living and God says, oh, yes, it is because I am the source of life and I give you life to live it for me, then you say life's worth living. And if the devil says that things are never going to get better and God says, oh, yes, it is because I am the God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask to think, then, then, then things are going to get better. You see, you just have to go back to the word of God every time and say, what thus says the Lord, that's reality in my life. And the third thing you do is pray in the Holy Ghost. And that's why you need to get filled with the Holy Spirit so you can pray in tongues. Because when you pray in the Spirit, God edifies you, strengthens you, and builds you up. I'm glad I'm Pentecostal. How about some of y'all? Thank God I'm Pentecostal. Hallelujah. And here's the promise. The devil will flee from you. Come on, musicians. Let me just tell you about Satan. The devil doesn't stay where he cannot rule and where he cannot control people. He, he moves on to the next victim. I hate to lose. Ask my wife. I hate to lose. I am a bad loser. I'm a winner. I don't like to lose. Well, you know what? The devil doesn't like to lose either. And so he just moves on to the next person. So if you want to see the devil, if you want the devil to run from you, you need to stop running from your issues. Do I need to say that again? If you want the devil to run from you, you need to stop running from your issues. You're going to have to face them, fight them, and say however long this takes, and however much he has to change me. But we say, do whatever you want to do. Say whatever you want to say. 
Move however you want to move. Oh, 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 wait a minute. We sing this here? Yeah, uh, change whatever you want to change. Do we really mean that? Just play that, Billy. Find a key. I don't care. My heart is an open space for you to come and It's not because you got a little space right in here. You don't have to amen me, but I'm preaching today. You got a little area right in here that's a mess, and you've told God, Can't touch this. feel the Holy Ghost moving in this house. I feel the Holy Ghost moving in this house. <laughs> Listen to me. Identify your weak areas and start praying about them and deal with them and commit to warfare until the victory comes. Stop making excuses and start making decisions. And then ask for help. Ask a brother or a sister in the Lord to join with you in prayer. Let the pastor and the elders know. We'll stand with you. We'll lay hands on you. We'll pray for you. And then you deny your flesh and you walk according to what the Holy Spirit wants from you. You live to please God. And you know what? You will know victory. How many would like to know victory? Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.